Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hang.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. From burnout and exhaustion to joy and fulfillment. Through the act of serving consciously, it's time to rediscover your passion. It's live with Elizabeth and guests on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Good afternoon, everyone, and you're listening to Serving Consciously, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and I'm so pleased that you're able to join us today. As you know, if you've been listening uh, for weeks, this hour of Serving Consciously is all about integrating who you are with what you do and looking at bringing the energy of conscious service into the work and the service that you are offering to others. So we always look at the four different elements of conscious service, which is self Self-connection, sorry, enlightened communication, transformative relationships, and co-creating community. And whenever you want to learn more about that, you can always visit my website at elizabethbishopconsulting.com and learn more about the conscious service approach. Today, in this next hour, I'm really excited. We're going to be focusing in on the um, element of co-creating community and looking specifically at the role of personal responsibility and leadership. And I have an amazing guest that I am so thrilled to introduce you all to today. Sandy Boucher is joining us today. And Sandy is uh, a proud Anishinaabek woman from Seine River, First Nation in Northern Ontario, Canada. And she's internationally recognized speaker, author, and activist for Indigenous people from all areas of the globe. Sandy is a strong advocate for respectful and mutually beneficial cross-cultural relationships and partnerships that honor wisdom and not just education. And recently, Sandy was appointed um, as the Chief Operations Officer of the Bridging Principles Program and is a Master Facilitator of this program, which is an internationally recognized cross-cultural communication seminar. So since September, Sandy's been very busy um, delivering this material to audiences and engaging in this material with audiences, as well as being instrumental in developing the material. Sandy's known for her personal and passionate speaking style. She started her own international speaking career in 2009, which has evolved over the years and um, includes many different speakers as well as Sandy, and she offers many seminars, workshops, and speeches all around um, all around Canada internationally as well and in through regional conferences. Sandy's first book, Honorary Indian, tells of her mother's empowering Ojibwe teach teachings through Sandy's life story. She released this in 2010 and it reached the bestseller status in 2013. And that year, Sandy's second book, Her Mother's Daughter, was released to finish the story. Sandy was named the Thunder Bay Business Person of the Year for 2016, and she is committed to her fight, which is a fight for a Canada that we can all be proud of. You can reach Sandy and her service, learn more about her services at sandyboucher.com. So welcome, Sandy. I'm so pleased that you're able to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I just happened to be involved in a 
a big conversation this morning um, in a community uh, that was very interesting. And there were a lot of different dynamics within the community. And I thought, isn't this just perfect um, and perfectly aligned for what we're going to be talking about today? So when we when I say the words co-creating community, what does that mean to you, Sandy? Well, I think that's those two words have to walk together. So often when I come across groups that are looking for guidance in creating community, you'd be amazed how often they're reaching out for assistance because one or two people have a different idea of community than the other people they're trying to work with. And I think we all have to start at the agreement that community is a combination of people and input and visions, that it's not a community of my design or a community of your design. A community is our design. And you have to get together on that page first. What is the vision for your community that's going to include us all? That's so beautifully said. And that's exactly the kind of dynamic that was was going on this morning in this earlier experience that I had and um and it reminded me of a of a book that I'd read actually many years ago and maybe you might be familiar with it called Gracious Space and it was about creating a space within community development and we can look at community in so many different ways right but creating that space where we're actually open truly open and embracing alternative perspectives because that seems to be where we are challenged you know it's it's easy to feel a sense of community when everybody's on the same page and agrees but sometimes we're challenged when the alternative perspective comes in or the idea that we hadn't thought of, which is usually exactly what we need in order to grow, right? Exactly. And I think, if anything, through my cross-cultural work, I've come to realize how every single one of us has a different cultural lens that we look through. And, of course, when I talk about culture, I talk about all the – I mean all the different cultures we belong to, our family culture, our – ethnic background or what kind of community we grew up in, what our experiences have been with other people. And so you have to have that conversation. It is dangerous to assume that community means the same thing to two different people because it's not going to. Absolutely. And like you said, too, having that shared vision, I mean, that takes some effort in order to understand what that vision actually is, right? And, and, and yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and the other thing I've noticed, like I, I'm a visionary by nature, so I find it very easy to envision things. But when I work with people, I find they get caught up in the how or the possibility, like how could we possibly do that? And I always warn them that's further down the journey. Dream big and design in your mind and then with each other that community you want to have, then start figuring out how to achieve it. Absolutely. And, you know, you made me think, too, just even the idea of co-creation. I mean, we can look at that in a number of different ways, too. So when we come together as individuals with our personal lens and our personal perspectives and co-create with other people, and like you're saying, create the vision, and then as we let go of the how, we kind of open up that co-creation process to something that's beyond all of us, right? Exactly. Yeah, where we can get some intuitive guidance and some direction 
from uh, something that is, you know, maybe can see beyond what we can see as human beings in the place that we're at at this exactly. point. So when you think about the idea of personal responsibility, like how would you define that? Well, I think we all have to keep in mind that whatever type of community we're trying to build, it will always be the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. So if you want, I work with people that want a strong, healthy community, whether it's the community they live in or the environment they work in. And you can't have a healthy work environment if you don't have healthy people working in that environment. <laughs> So that's yes. what you have to look at first. What are the parts? How empowered are those people? And that's a huge part of it because if you have members of your community that don't feel safe enough, comfortable enough, or empowered enough to even share their input, well, they're already excluded from the community. Mm -hmm. So it's not only having a voice, but recognizing your responsibility to empower others to use theirs. Yes, absolutely. It's like creating that space, right, uh, for exactly. people to step into. Yeah. And that is su such a common thing that we see in so many different ways. Like with, with my background in, in human services, I mean, there's always, for, well, not always, but for many years, been the emphasis on creating the opportunity for people who are accessing services to have voice in what direction they want to take, what they want to create in their life, as opposed to professionals, you know, designing that path. But it stands true as well within our teams and within the broader organization to carry that same energy all the way through. Exactly. Yeah. And we have to understand that there are different power structures at play. For example, as an Indigenous woman, and I work a lot with Indigenous communities, I have to acknowledge and recognize the fact that for many of the people I work with, if they were to sit on a committee that had a large number of non-Indigenous people on it, they may automatically go silent yeah. just because of the history of this country. So whether, and, and I always say whether we think that's right or wrong really doesn't play into this. We have to look at where this starts and that's where we start. The other thing is with a lot of the people I work with, they are not comfortable with reading or writing. They prefer talking in a comfortable environment. So nowadays we're really dependent on emails and, and other different forms of communication. We have to make sure that that works for this group that is setting up this community we want. Bottom line, we start with a blank slate and you have to do an analysis of who's there, what's their strengths, what's their weaknesses, what do they need to feel inclus included in this process? And to go forward from there, it's as consciously, right? It's all about being conscious and making conscious decisions, not just reacting to a situation. Yes. And I think, too, and in, in that, you know, energy of consciousness, it helps us to expand beyond the way that, you know, that we see things, right? And our own personal perspective to consider that there are other ways and there's, there's other, like you said, needs for communication. There's other ways of approaching things. There's, 
you know, things that work for us might not necessarily work for the next person. So really having to expand um, to develop an understanding and to see beyond our own lens, right? Yeah, and I think one of the greatest risks, one of the greatest forces that works against the creation of a community is time. Uh, we always run into people that want this done tomorrow. They want, <laughs> you know, they're action oriented. And the reality is you're building the foundation of your future house here. Yeah. So you better choose carefully because everything from now on will rest on this. And if that means going a little slower so that all of the partners feel that they are heard and part of this process, it's just going to make a stronger foundation in the long run. That is so true. And I think, I mean, just, you know, it, it's so common to have that element of impatience as an individual and as a group, right? It really, really is. And this kind of a process in creating and co-creating with other people um, really does require that element of patience and waiting to see, as well as detaching from, you know, like you said, we can have the grander vision of where we see things going, but being able to detach from that, knowing that the collective energy could create something that could far surpass what we're able to see. And exactly. You have to walk into that room, into a, uh, this process, understanding that you are bringing one puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. You are not designing the puzzle. You are bringing one piece of it. And you don't own the final product. You all own it. So it will be whatever is created when you combine all those puzzle pieces. Which is such a beautiful analogy, right? And I mean, really, when you are part of a process like that, you know, and people come in just with with that energy to go through that together. It can be such um, oh, like such an energizing and really satisfying process to go through together. It just often it often doesn't always go that way. Right. Because of the different kinds of, you know, like you said, different perceptions, perspectives or assumptions that can come in to play. So I it think, takes, you know, yeah, it takes a lot of comfort. The it people does. that are empowered and self-confident, we're all going to enjoy the journey. Those who have not had those positive experiences are not as empowered. They're the ones that are going to want to try to control the process because they're not comfy with just letting it manifest. Yeah, yeah. Not comfortable in the mystery of it all, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you know what you're saying, like when you're talking about like that sort of vision, you're coming in with your one puzzle piece and you might not even know where it fits, right? So part of that's being present to kind of, oh, here's where my contribution is going to fit. Here's where I can, you know, offer what I have to offer is one sort of form of taking personal responsibility for how you're going to engage in the co-creation of community. And I'm sort of thinking about two Two things here. So I'm thinking about what kinds of things can we do ourselves to get into that place of personal responsibility to bring our puzzle piece. And then the other part of that is what kind of responsibility and how can we actively step into that responsibility to create space for other people? So, yeah, so think about that, the puzzle piece, the puzzle piece that I'm bringing. What kinds of things would you encourage people to do 
as as a, you know part of their personal responsibility in bringing that puzzle piece, what kinds of things would you encourage them to do or think about or reflect on in order to step into that space? Well, I think first and foremost, understand that your puzzle piece is valuable. Whatever it is, it will be valuable and it is essential to this process. I think I was just, as you were talking, I was realizing that the the concept of building a community is almost, forgive me for this analogy, but almost the equivalent of birthing a child. Yeah. <laughs> right? You yeah. have this child and you're bringing your parenting skills and experiences, but you really don't know what that child's going to turn out to be who yeah. they're going to be, what they're going to be doing. And you only have so much say and control over that. That's what it's like when you build a community, that you bring your skills and your experience, but you have to understand that what it manifests into, you can take pride in being an amazing part of that, but it will be the end result of all of the influences. Absolutely. And I, I think that is a great analogy because I, what you just said, too, was about seeing your puzzle pieces being valuable as being essential. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you think about, you know, birthing a baby from a, you know, from our female perspective, we have certain responsibilities in that process um, as far as how we nurture that, how we take care of that, believing in ourselves that we are able to be the kind of parent that we want to be and believing in our capacity, right. And the value that we're bringing. And I think that's huge. I think that, that's not only indicative of personal responsibility, but it's also indicative of a place of personal power as well, Absolutely. you know, from within. Yeah. Um, I see that as a really important element too, just that really knowing that you do have something to contribute and that you are contributing, you know, even when you're not sure because you're showing up and you're bringing your presence and you're bringing your, you know, ability to be engaged with other people in the process. I think Absolutely. that's powerful. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and then we'll go on to the um, the next piece of that equation um, right after we get back. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm Elizabeth Bishop, your host, and we're speaking today with Sandy Boucher about co-creating community, and we'll be right back after this short message. Are you a helping professional looking for inspiration, resources, and community? Visit socialworkhelper.com for relevant articles and learning opportunities. Connect with other difference makers in the world. Socialworkhelper.com Is part of your life mission to be of service to others? Making a difference in the world is a tall order. You are the resource when it comes to serving humanity. Beyond taking care of yourself, learn to create self-connection in your life. Integrate who you are with what you do find a source of inspiration and energy that surpasses your wildest imagination. 
Register for the Self-Connection Series at www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Look under Programs and Services for details. everyone. I'm Elizabeth Bishop and you're listening to Serving Consciously and today we're talking to Sandy Boucher. And we just, before we went to break, we were talking about the whole um, you know, role of personal responsibility and what we can do for ourselves to really embrace that personal responsibility and bring our piece of the puzzle into co-creating community. And the next little piece I wanted to talk about, Sandy, was how we can create that space and really invite other people into that feeling of personal responsibility and contribution when they may not feel that sense of personal power to do so. Ah, yes, the creation of the safe place is so vitally important. I think, like I said, for one, it's worth reassuring for people that their wisdom, experience, viewpoint, whatever it is, is valuable and welcome in this space. I think for each member of this community, they have to use their voice not only to share their viewpoint, but to actively support and encourage other people to do the same. Whether you agree or not, it is really essential and worth reinforcing on a regular basis that your voice is needed here. And then, of course, we're going to share in a respectful manner. We want to maintain that safe space for everyone, but that you are welcome to share. I think there is an onus on everyone to take part in the discussions. And we all know some personalities are stronger than others. And that's where the onus is actually on the strong personalities to make sure that the softer personalities are heard from that you you quiet the discussion and say, what do you think? And you give them the time to respond. You ask questions if that's what's needed to encourage them to speak. Uh, And to, like I said, really take the time, don't rush them so over time they understand that their voice is needed here too. Yes. Yeah. The other thing is encourage each and every person to offer suggestions and solutions. It's not about criticism. It's not about critiquing. Uh, If you have to be devil's advocate, make sure to announce that first (laughs) or to ask for clarification on something. But it's really about brainstorming and coming up with suggestions and solutions. I think that community building, it can't be all the things we can't do. It's about determining what we can, what we do have. What pieces do we have to work with going forward? Now, the that's, one that's thing, so sorry. Beautiful. No, I said that's so beautiful to keep that in mind because quite often community focus can be around solving a problem and it can be stuck in the gaps and the, you know, what doesn't exist as opposed to what do we have and what are we building on, right? And how can we use that from a strength-based perspective? Exactly. It's all about mm-hmm. counting your assets and using them. 
right? Yeah. And I mean, we have so many resources and so many personal strengths and, and attributes that we bring to the table. And most people don't give themselves credit for that. And we have to make sure that people are comfortable bringing themselves to the table. Now, the yeah. one thing that, which is a perfect lead in to my next comment and anyone who's followed my work, you know, I often reference my mom and her teachings and stories and the work I do. Well, I gave my mom's personality type a title, and I used to refer to her as what I call a silent warrior, mm -hmm. which means she's that personality type that would never be comfortable speaking up in a group of people. But what she's going to do is at coffee break, when she's standing next to one or two people, she's going to say, you know, what about this? Or that made me think of this. And that's okay if she's not comfortable speaking at the table. Then those other two that she's now entrusted as her helpers can go back to the table and say, you know what? So-and-so had a really good idea and I support it. And here's what the idea was. So yeah. sharing sharing with the group in whatever way is comfortable for you as long as you end up sharing. Yeah, that's that's beautiful and I think that that's really valid because like you said earlier, you know, the onus really is on everyone within the community and sometimes that's not always recognized or accepted because of, you know, like you said, the stronger personalities. And so sometimes the people who are quieter will say, well, that person's going to do the talking or they're going to, you know, run the show kind of thing. And I'll just stay here. or It doesn't really matter. But if we create those spaces, and I do believe that there is a lot of responsibility on the strong personality or the person who can speak out, right, to be able to recognize that. We create the spaces so there's other alternatives for people to get their ideas shared, just like you said in your example about your mom. I think that that is wonderful because there needs to be more than one way if we're talking about co-creating community to get everybody's perspective right and if you're not it's not a community right exactly oh, yeah. exactly the other what happens so often too is that i mean sometimes we'll do things in the name of transparency i'm gonna i'm gonna put this out i want to get everybody's input that kind of thing but it isn't necessarily authentic you know, sometimes it's it's lip service and we really do need to think that there might have to be more than one route to actually invite all of that information in than the one that we've got established formally. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Listening does not require agreement. Absolutely. <laughs> right? And that's what transparency often is. I'm going to share with you the idea and please share with me if you agree with me. Right? Yeah. And, and that's not what it is at all. So the other thing that's essential here is suspending judgment. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes when we hear that observation or that other viewpoint the first time, we want to go there, right? You know, we jump to what in the world is that person thinking or whatever the case. We go to that criticism place, and that's how you destroy a community. Yeah. Feel free. Instead, you have to go to the curiosity place. I don't mm -hmm. understand. Please expand on that. I'm I'm curious. I paint the picture for me or explain it to me so that you can understand what they're coming from. 
I have to do that on a regular basis because I come from a culture and practice teachings that are outside of the mainstream way of doing business. So I often see things in a different way than most of the people in the room. And yes. you have to get comfortable with saying, okay, I'm going to draw the picture now, right? But as long as it's a safe place and I know that the people there I mean, the people I work with genuinely want to come together and want to understand or at least know that I'm sharing for the sake of the community. And I guess that's important to identify in the beginning is what is the intent of everyone in the room? If we have someone who there who's just power tripping and yes. wants to get their way, then that has to be addressed because it has to be for the benefit of the collective, the community as a whole, as opposed to one individual person. Well, and I think you're hitting on a, a really key element there, that power of the intention. There's a couple of things in there that really struck me powerfully. The, the power of our intention and the idea of really getting in, in touch with that. Um, I think when I first started the show back in September, we talked about um, inspired intention and the intention that we're bringing into the work that we're doing and, and looking at that from a broader perspective, but as well as just looking at the intention in the moment. And sometimes we aren't always clear that we might have the intention to win the argument or to uh, convince somebody of something or to get our way in the end. And so really finding a practice that, you know, if, if we go in and say, yeah, you know, that's sort of a strong intention. I really do want it to work out my way at least being able to say, okay, how do I suspend that as well so that I can detach and see something from a broader perspective at this point? And I think that's really key. I always advise people to keep in mind that at any point in time, there are two intents at play. So the first intent I always refer to as the umbrella intent. So in this case, it would be to create a healthy community. That's the umbrella intent that's hanging over and umbrellas, everything else that we do. The second intent is what are you doing right now? What is your mm -hmm. intent with sharing that comment, with asking that question, with getting up and leaving the room, whatever you're about to do? And the important the onus is on the person. The most important part is making sure that your immediate intent is not destroying your umbrella intent. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Right? So if you're yeah. about to bite someone's head off because you don't agree with what they say, that's not going to help you build community. And then the problem is you. So <laughs> really Explaining that to people that you have to make sure what is your intent, conscious living, conscious communicating, so that we don't destroy the umbrella intent. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way of, of putting that because intention really is moment to moment. And I think sometimes to me that ties right back into personal responsibility, taking the responsibility for, you know, even your frustration in the moment. So maybe there's a conversation happening and you're getting frustrated and things don't feel like they're going the way that you would like to see them go or whatever's happening, right? And, and that's asking. You have and that, to, yeah. And yeah. In that moment, so I mean, Sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. 
I was just saying in that moment, that's where the intent has to be. Okay, honesty, right? I'm, I'm getting frustrated here. Can we take a couple minutes? Right? Absolutely. And, and that, that's also, personal responsibility. Exactly. Or speaking up when you can see someone else is overpowering the conversation. And that's where the strong personalities have to come in and say, you know what, we have to give so-and-so time to talk. Right? Yes. And I, I really think that that is hugely powerful um, for people to, for all of us to realize, you know, something could be happening that I don't necessarily like. Or I could be feeling judgment coming up inside of me. And like you said, suspending that. I, I really believe that when we shift to that place of curiosity and a desire to understand, that it, it's, it becomes impossible to hold the judgment and the desire to understand at the same time. So we have to kind of shift, and it opens up that door. But it really is about um, being able to step into that place and say, okay, I've identified this for myself. Now, how do I want to communicate it? That's yeah. how I continue to stay in my personal power and my personal responsibility. So true. And suspending. And it's so powerful. Own, yeah. And once understanding the group has to understand they don't own the community, right? They're in, they should mm -hmm. be an active part in it, but they don't own it. They don't control it. So we have to, yes. and that's where I always go back to think of it as the sacred item, right? So the community mm -hmm. is sacred. So if something's happening where you feel it's at risk, it's the onus is on you to protect it. You have to make sure the conversations stay respectful. You have to ensure they stay inclusive. If someone's getting frustrated, you have to take the time to let them calm down or let them be heard. We have to remind people to use respectful language um, and remind everyone that it's a collective, that we're all responsible for maintaining this community. Yes, and we're contributing. And I think, you know, even that, like re having the reminder of what it means to have a safe space or a sacred space for that kind of um, community building and co-creation to occur involves, like you said at the beginning, laying that foundation and even coming to an agreement about what does it mean to communicate respectfully? Because like you said, everyone's coming from their own perspective and their own cultural lens, their own personal lens, and it can mean different things to different people. And, and so I think just... The most dangerous is to make the assumption that everyone's just going to be on the same page as you. Even when it comes to the meetings, right? One person has one idea in their mind about how a meeting should be conducted. The second person has another. That has to be clearly articulated and agreed upon so that everyone's on the same page. And I always call it ask the silly questions. Don't yeah. assume because it's in the assumption that things fall apart. Yes, and I think even that in itself, when creating that foundation and taking the time, not to say that, that you know, groups and communities wouldn't be working towards the, the grander vision while they're doing that, but really giving um, space and time and energy for both. What Working towards the outcome and how you're working towards the outcome is really important because then when there is potentially conflict or disagreement or a challenging conversation, there's a greater foundation there, you know, to meet it, you know, and to actually work through it because that can be super powerful as well. 
um, to, to run into, you know, I'm using quotes in the air here, conflict within building community, right? Well, and you have to ask yourself, is your community only for the strong and outspoken? Like one of yeah. the most important conversations you can have is how do you look after the challenged members of your community, the people that aren't understanding, that are struggling with what's going on. And I always look at it as if we're not going to have the back of our community members that are struggling, who is going to? And are you really Absolutely. okay with that? So we have to remember that when the, the strong get frustrated that it's not moving as fast as it should, well, it's moving as fast as it can to make sure that everyone goes with you. Yeah, which is really, you know, genuine, authentic community. Otherwise, like you said, you don't have it anyways. You're creating exactly. something else, right? Yeah, then, then. Absolutely. Yeah, then it's a marketing campaign. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you onto my way of thinking or my side of thinking no matter what. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then it's that bully mentality, right? And then that's not a community. No, it isn't. I mean, it's a it's a community, but it may be not be a very effectively uh, functioning community, right? Yeah, it's not a healthy community. Let's put it that way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I think that's, you know, that's where the real work comes in. Because, I, you know, even words like using the word community or a sense of community or, you know, co-creation or any of these words, sometimes it's not so much about understanding them intellectually as it is actually putting these things into practice and quite often we get the real practice when we hit the challenging situations would you agree uh, absolutely and it's just like any business any organization out there you have those policies that we all dislike reviewing once a year but you need them when something goes south and that's when you're thankful that you had the policies to define how to go forward Absolutely. And and those kinds of policies and structures can be um, shifted and can evolve with the needs of the group if you've got a structure there that, you know, promotes that kind of communication, right? Exactly. Beautiful. Well, I want to talk a bit about the energy and the ideas of leadership as well, but let's take a quick break first and then we'll come back and carry on with that. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm Elizabeth Bishop, and we'll be right back with Sandy Boucher. Tired of the same old boring training sessions? You know, those ones you sit in all day and take very little from. Head over to ElizabethBishopConsulting.com to learn more about the conscious service approach and how your organization can benefit from webinars, online programs, and in-person workshops. Renew your sense of connection with yourself and others in real and meaningful ways. Be inspired. Be encouraged. Be energized. Be you and love what you do. 
Welcome back, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Bishop. You're listening to Serving Consciously. And today we've been talking with Sandy Boucher, um, Indigenous activist, author, speaker. And we've been talking about the idea of co-creating community and the, and the role of personal responsibility and leadership. And so I kind of want to move into that uh, for a bit here, Sandy, um, and talk about leadership and what that means to you. How do you, how do you define that or how do you look at it? Do you look at it in different ways? Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, that's an indigenous perspective coming into play here. But for us, when we speak of a true leader, a true leader is one of the most humble people you will ever meet. A true leader is a true voice of the people. Uh, someone who it's an act of service to be a leader. So it's not about ego. It's not about who has the strongest voice. It's the person with the greatest responsibility to that large number of people that he's leading, he or she is leading. So yes. So you think of it a lot. It sounds like to me in terms of leadership as an energy and as a, a gift that a person has agreed to accept really. Well, yeah, and that's funny you say that because it's one of our teachings that with a gift comes responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if you've been if you've been gifted the wisdom and the voice and the confidence and the experience to be a leader, you now have the responsibility to be one. And that's not abandoning the people that you put there. It's being a voice for them. Yes, and I think that that's such a beautiful, and I want to explore that a little bit more because I just think it's so powerful and it fits. I mean, that whole concept of personal responsibility and taking on the role or the energy of leadership and honoring the gift of that, that wisdom and that, you know, energy that you've been given. I mean, that really is personal responsibility in order to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes... Yes, and sometimes people have barriers to that. Do you agree? I think it's a lack of self-confidence. <laughs> is uh, I mean, see, and again, we're going to see a cultural difference here. In my customs and my teachings, when the community recognizes you in that position, it really doesn't matter if you see yourself in that position. That's that's where you that's what you've earned. So, and if you don't see yourself in that position, well, that's the humility that's needed to accept it. So it's a lot of swallowing the fear and having faith in the people that put you there, right? So, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So huge part of the personal responsibility there in being exactly. able to accept that. Yes. Exactly. And I honestly believe that a leader, it is essential to walk the talk. We have oh, so yes. many leaders that talk the talk, but they don't walk it. And leading by example is a powerful way to lead because the reality is a lot of people will appoint you to the position of leadership because they don't know the way and they have faith in you to turn on the light and show them that way. So you have to have that humility and you have to remember that you have the faith of a lot of people that you're carrying and you have to take that seriously and live up to that responsibility. The other thing we absolutely, have to keep, yeah, the other thing we have to keep in mind, which I guess is the negative counterbalance to this 
is unfortunately, in a lot of cases, a leader has to accept the fact that they just had a target pointed, painted on their back. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it is really, really easy for people to criticize and blame leadership for whatever's transpired. And the reality is they are just the figurehead. Right. Uh, I always say when I do this training, when I teach people personal responsibility for their community, I always said that if you're going to criticize, it has to walk with a solution. It is too easy for you just to say you should have never done that. It has to be followed up with you should have done this uh, because otherwise it's just attacking. If you want to keep Absolutely. this community together and support your leadership in the way you want them to support you, then don't expect them to have all the answers. They're one person. Bring those solutions forward and use them to balance any criticism you might have. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, because there again, too, we're talking about a couple of different ways that we can look at leadership, right? The energy of it, the role of it. And at the end of the day, even from a leadership perspective where you have responsibility to represent, to understand the needs of, of the community where you find yourself leading or in that kind of specific role, you still can only be personally responsible for your own actions and, and what you're contributing yourself. We really can't take, even as a leader, leaders cannot take responsibility for somebody else's actions, but we can create space to have discussions around that or to create opportunity for healing if that's what's required and also to help people identify what they're contributing and what their strengths are and how they want to express that within the community creation process as well, right? Would you agree? Yes and no. I agree I am not responsible for other people's actions. But I believe if we're going to build bridges between people, if we're going to build solid communities, then we also have to take responsibility for the reactions to our words and actions. Oh, absolutely. Right? So if I throw that rock into the lake, it's going to cause ripples. And I have to accept that. And I have to be conscious of that effect. And I think yes, that's... Absolutely. I think that's getting lost somewhere along the way. Nowadays, we're so interested in having our own say and standing up for ourselves that we're treating as if we're all in this world alone and that isn't the case and and no I can't I don't know what's going on in your brain but it doesn't take me long to understand or that if I phrase something a certain way it's probably going to cause a negative reaction. And if I want to keep yes. this community together, I have to understand that. I have to learn. We call it walking softly on Mother Earth. So when I use my words, I have to pick soft words. And I have to take that position of humility so that people are more ready to accept the message rather than slamming my fist on the table and, you know, issuing a proclamation. That's going to get people's backs up. Oh, totally. And and I think what I was speaking to there was when you were talking about, you know, um, uh, communities sometimes looking to the leader as being the, you know, solving all the problems and you're not doing this right or those kinds of things that, again, it's responsibility for for the actions that we that people may take as a leader in a community. 
But to me, that personal responsibility goes exactly to what you were saying, that how am I delivering my message? And if it's misunderstood or misperceived, I'm still in a role of responsibility to add clarity around that. Absolutely. I think that that's key because otherwise we do have that, right? I'm just going to say whatever I want. Oh, well, you know, that's, that was my responsibility. Now, if you don't like it, that's yours. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I and do I think, believe that that's part of it for sure. Yeah. And I think you just touched on something that I think is absolutely key. And again, it's one of my mom's teachings. Uh, I've always said that my mom was the master of empowerment, even though I guarantee you at a grade four education, she didn't know that word. And she totally believed in empowering us. So when we had a problem and we came to her as our leader and we, you know, showed her, gave her all the details, whatever, she would always look at us. She would listen intently and then she would look at us and say, wow, you know, that's challenging. So what do you think you should do? And in Mm -hmm. that she taught us how to believe in ourselves. And I think that's what a true leader does. If they always have the answer, then they teach their entire following to be dependent on them, and then they weaken their following. But if the leader instead encourages them to come up with solutions and freely share them, now you're empowering an entire group. And I think that's a true leader. Well, and what you're saying there too, I mean, it's, it's someone to me who is able to stand in their own sense of personal power again and, and to be able to stand there. And I mean, their power from within and their desire to create a shared sense of power within their, within their communities and within their organizations, their teams, their families. And it feels like to me what you're talking about as well is that whole idea of of creating an opportunity for self leadership. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like said, and I think that's your answer. Yeah, I think that's the difference between a leader and a manager, right? So mm-hmm. I you want to manage this community and just make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, or do you want to empower it to be everything it could be? Which means that it involves everybody, right? Like the, the best, exactly. or the highest quality gifts, the greatest expression of, of that individual's contribution and how that evolves over the, the course of the, of the time that the community exists. Yeah. And when I work with people, when they're struggling to try to redefine their community or build a new one, rarely do I hear anyone complain, well, they didn't do it my way. The complaint I hear over and over and over is, I wasn't heard. So often it's just creating that environment. It's not having blind faith in just doing whatever they tell you, but creating that environment when a leader actually listens and takes that into consideration, then they feel heard and they feel supportive of that leader. And now you're getting that cohesive group. Oh, it's so true. And at the end of, of, of the day, everybody is winning, really. Everybody is benefiting. Everyone's thriving. And, you know, it's not always comfortable along the way, but that's part of the way that growth occurs, right? And the, and the way that we go through change and transformation. Exactly. And believe it or not, some of the best leaders I know, well, I know you're going to believe this, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> leaders leaders make mistakes and leaders own up to those mistakes and take responsibility for the results. 
they're not infallible. And, and we have to show our communities that it's okay for a leader to be human. So. Oh, yes. And that goes back to what you were saying about walking the talk, really, and about, about um, you know, putting out ideas or putting out your, you know, your opinion or where you're at or whatever, but also recognizing that there are those ripple effects. And yeah, I remember back in the day, I was sitting on a board of directors. This was so long ago, I don't even want to do the math on it. But um, <laughs> I was, I had my intent. And I wanted, of course, I wanted to be fair to all of the staff that dedicated their time to our agency. And I made a decision that, unfortunately, the result was that it was very unfair to a couple individuals. And I am so thankful that I had built a relationship, a trust that they actually came to me and said, well, Sandy, <laughs> you know, just FYI. Yeah. And I was able to go back to the board and say, okay, we need to undo that. Here was my intent. Here's what I did. Here's how it totally went against my original intent. And we need to fix that. And I mean, it just helped the entire group by doing that. And you know what I love about that? Um, because I think that's key. I think a lot of times when people come into leadership, that there is that sense of, like of over or false responsibility. And what I love what you said about that is just that um, capacity to come back personally responsible to say, this is what happened. This is where I maybe didn't see everything or I made a mistake. And now here's the opportunity for us to, to move in a new direction together. I think it builds such trust. And, Absolutely. and it is about being a human being, Absolutely. you know, that's beautiful. Thank you for that, Sandy. I'm wondering if there's any, you, you've done so much work and I know you've been so busy over these last few months, any nuggets of wisdom you'd like to share before I give you an opportunity to tell us what's coming up for you? It's a growth process. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> I think we, so often I meet people that are beating themselves up because they didn't have the answer, don't have the answer, or made the wrong answer. And again, we're human. A building a community, a community is ever evolving. So are the pieces and the people that make it, that make up that community. So give yourself the break and permission to be human. Absolutely. And you know what, really, that kind of level of personal responsibility leads to freedom. It really does, right? Absolutely. To be able to, to step into that. Yeah, that's beautiful. So tell us, Sandy, in these last couple of minutes, what's going on for you now? What do you have on the horizon? Well, after my short Christmas break and the new year starts, and of course I have, well, I've got so much coming up. My brand new website will be launched in the new year. I have near 50 different seminars I offer now. So the new year, I'll be traveling all across Canada again, working with a wide variety of groups, everything from public schools to to professional conferences. So I'm always excited to see where I go anywhere I'm invited. So it's always an interesting journey. Oh, that's so great. And now your new website will be up soon and it's at, at www.sandyboucher.com. Yes. And it's Sandy with an I. So Sandy with an I. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And, um, of course people will be able to find the, um, information to find you by going to my website as well. And, and the replay will be up as soon as it's ready. 
Um, and I will share that as well on, um, on social media and with you, Sandy, so you can share with anybody who wasn't able to make it today. Awesome. So you're going to have a, yes, you're going to have a nice packed 2017. I know you've been super busy and, and doing so much work helping communities. And I just want to thank you for being here and sharing your experience and your wisdom with us today. It's been amazing to have you as a guest on Serving Consciously. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. It was amazing. And I hope you enjoy your Christmas vacation. Oh, I definitely will. I'm a grandma, and that's a guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening in today and joining us here on Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and we've been with Sandy Boucher today. And um, please touch base with me at elizabethbishopconsulting.com and look for Sandy at sandyboucher.com, and that's Sandy with an I. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on December 23rd. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Sandy. To serving consciously with your host, Elizabeth Bishop. Consciously create your approach to work. Visit www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Join us on every second and fourth Friday at noon to continue rediscovering your passion. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers!